Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac. And this is Megan. And on this long-anticipated episode, we are talking about the Cecil Hotel. That we're going to have to break up in two pieces. Yeah, we're going to have to divide it into two separate parts. So this part will be, obviously, this week. And then next part, part two, will be next week. So part one is basically going to be about, like, the backstories, kind of like the theories of why why it's haunted and like the creepiness about it what makes it like stand apart from other haunted hotels and a little bit on the paranormal activity and stuff that's going on and then part two is actually going to be almost like encounters um psychic impressions of the building like what people have gotten psychically from it and things like that and even encounters of staff and um guests that we were able to find because some people actually talk about it in the reviews which i think is funny <laughs> of the hotel so yeah we'll get into that and uh in a game i am challenging everyone who's listening to play uh find the evps yeah we've been having some uh things <laughs> no and i would say that but every 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 time but every once in a while that we talk about something disintense a lot of spirits want to come forward and make themselves known whether good or bad. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm guaranteeing there's probably at least going to be one in this episode. Yeah. Well, I had the hardest time. Like, I have got to figure out psychically, like, how to put a barrier up for me channeling. Because I've said this before on previous episodes where I've, like, I was looking at, like, these abandoned buildings and all of a sudden I started channeling something and it was just not good. And, of course, the Cecil Hotel with as much death and darkness and stuff like that that it has. Um, yeah, I started getting just weird things. Like, there was, uh, when I was first researching, I had to stop because I kept hearing, like, a metal pole being hit. Like, a pipe, almost like this old-fashioned pipes. And so... Oh, all pipes are technically old-fashioned. Well, you know what I mean. It's made like, out of metal. You know, like, the ones that are in, like, the Victorian houses? Not the Victorian houses, like, just the old buildings. Yeah. And I kept, it was like somebody was, and it keeps tunneling me down this hallway. Like, visually, my third eye, I see the hallway. And then I keep seeing, because obviously, you know, the Lisa Lamb story is tied to this hotel. And she was found in the, one of the water tanks up on the roof. Nobody heard nothing. <laughs> if, I don't know if anyone heard that burly man yeah let's just continue yeah let's just continue (laughs) that that was not an evp people that was isaac's butt screaming for help oh my gosh only you in a serious conversation would and now the room was well more echoey yeah yeah you might be able to hear it oh my gosh the the chair was no please don't (laughs) anyways okay so like when i was researching it would channel me down a hallway and then i would see this girl it wasn't Elisa Lamb. Like, it wasn't the, the girl in the story. I've seen what she looks like. But it was, like, this girl in a long um, white dress with, like, her feet wet. And I was like, okay, that needs to go. That needs to stop right there. And I had to stop actually researching for a little bit because of that. And so, so, yeah. So, the yep. hotel is intense, needless to say. Something, I guess, I don't if I. I don't even grasp this most of the time when I'm thinking about it, but something that I guess our average listeners, I don't know if they fully grasp the idea that we're not, then again, I don't know if there's any other podcasters out there, but I guess we're not your average podcasters when it comes to experiences and stuff, because mm-hmm. you are a very psychic and in my ability on top of it. So that makes us an odd duo when it comes to our experiences and how we deal with stuff that we research. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I know you listen to us most of the time. You're like, oh, we have great personality and stuff like that. But I, I know it's like, in, it's almost in the back of your mind of the things that we can actually do. Then again, I mean, it's hard for a lot of people to believe what we can do until you see it firsthand. But uh, I mean, that's, yeah, but I know just something that I had a random thought I had the other day. I was like, I don't know if anyone grasps that they're not listening to like average people when it comes to what stuff we experience. Yeah. Especially you when you do channeling and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I wish, like, there was a way. I don't know. I've always been like this. Like, I wish I could just put a block and just stop. But, yeah, certain things we research. Like, certain things we research and it's not a big deal. Like, teach is whole. Like, 
Oh, that, pirate thing. The yeah. pirate thing. Yeah. I didn't get anything from there. Teach's Hole. I didn't get anything from even the Hammock House. I didn't get anything from it's another place that we even Pavelia Island. I didn't get anything from. But this, like this one, put it to you this way: there's not a lot of very many locations that you could tell me, "Hey, we're gonna go investigate here," and I'd be like a little bit weary about. But. I feel like the Cecil Hotel is one of those for me. And it's funny because even when Ghost Adventures covered it, like they investigated, I wasn't even like, oh, let me let me watch this. Let me watch this. I was just like, man, they covered it. Okay. Which is crazy because now all of a sudden it's like I'm getting pulled. Like I want to go there. I want to go investigate there. Then I'm scared of the same. (laughs) Not scared. It's just like I know as the mess that I would probably be feeling there. Uh, I don't know if you're going to talk about this later mm-hmm. in you, in episode or not, but mm-hmm. I remember the one story of a, a psychic who remote view mm-hmm. when she remote viewed in after watching the Ghost Adventures episode. Mm-hmm. She remote viewed into the Cecil Hotel or she remote viewed actually outside of it. And she, what she saw was like a swirling portal above the, the hotel yeah. with these winged creatures flying around. And then she said her psychic guide or something mm-hmm. like where a spirit guide told her hey get the hell out of here this place is no good no there was another there was another video that even this is what sparked me to start looking into the CISO hotel mm-hmm. because i saw this the psychic um she was really good with remote viewing and she was like she had the idea and i know you've mentioned it to me a couple of times like what if you remote view to some of these most like haunted locations and for me, I mean, I remote view better when I've been there at least once. But um, she remote viewed to the Cecil Hotel. You know, she got in her like kind of like trance state where she kind of was like meditating halfway in between. And she said uh, that she got stopped. Like, hey, what are you doing? She was in a hallway. She's like, this, this guide, I guess, is almost like astral guide but she was on the astral plane so it was kind of just like a i don't know what it was but she was it, it told her basically hey like you don't need to be here you're talking and, about the same person no it's it was a different one she yeah. was on tiktok yeah that's the one i saw oh maybe so it is the same person yeah she yeah, said she saw a said, swirling portal thing above that yeah, yeah yeah okay so then we saw the same video yeah. i forget like our for you page sometimes like links up yeah you send me a video like ah, i've seen it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so that's what kind of got me like into the hotel, into the like thing of the hotel. Another thing that I was like, I guess you want to say channel is I was talking to Isaac about some of these stories of the CISO hotel. I was like, you wouldn't believe like how many deaths and suicides and it's so creepy. And these are my theories and da da da, which I'll share in part two because they're kind of, I don't know, out there. But um Actually, not out there. It could be very plausible. A lot of our theories are out there. Yeah, it could be actually very plausible because I don't think people understand just how much energies could can do to people. Mm. Like, um, but, but yeah. So I, I I was talking to him, and all of a sudden, I started getting this image, 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 image of an like just a letter M, like a thick blocked M. And so later that night, I, you know, I couldn't figure out why I was getting an M, like M, Megan, like what's the M for? And there was no clarification to me what the M was. Anyways, I, funny enough, on my For You page, stumbles the aerial view of the Cecil Hotel, which is? In the shape of an M. In the shape of an M. So, yeah. And prior to that, I never saw, and I noticed like the first thing that I ever kind of like saw on the Cecil hotel that like made me go what was the way it's built you know like the three sections Mm -hmm. freaks me out i don't not freaks me out but it's just an uneasy feeling and i have never shown the picture of the Cecil hotel to anybody and then say oh i get good vibes from this place like it's just just a bad place like you say you always are like bobby mackey's bobby mackey's right Mm -mm. i think for me it's the Cecil hotel well, I mean, um, I always say Bobby Mackey's because it's renownedly known for having demonic spirits and stuff like that. But after the few things we saw from the Cecil Hotel, whether interviews or in the Ghost Avengers episode, is that there is demonic activity there. It's just not as pronounced as it is at Bobby Mackey's. Yeah. And the thing is, too, like, before I go into the actual stories behind the Cecil Hotel, the thing that, like, uh, made me go, what the heck? Because I was trying to figure out why was I seeing this girl in the tank? 
or not in the tank. Why was I seeing this girl with the wet feet? Like, what is she? Why? And I, I, I've, in my past, like in my past, yeah, in my past, I've seen a similar girl, but I started figuring, okay, so why do I see this girl? Like, when do I see her the most? And it's normally around dark or demonic activity. So I'm like, was that a signal saying, hey, you know, there's dark stuff here. Don't, don't try and channel too far. So I don't know. But uh... <laughs> into the episode, since that was a long, like, introduction. Eh. People, if you are into the paranormal whatsoever, and if you're not in listening to this, this podcast, uh, why? I mean, yeah. granted, I like, enjoy your time, but uh, why? we're going to talk about some spooky stuff. Yeah. So, but the Cito Hotels were not only known amongst anyone who's into the paranormal as being one of the most haunted places in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And a quick disclaimer before we start getting into the actual episode. Um, we are going to talk about some of the deaths that occurred there, which can is a little bit gruesome. And if you honestly get kind of like spooked kind of easily, this 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 again the plate. Why are you letting this? Well, no, some people like paranormal, (laughs) but don't like going like too far into the dark. We're all weirdos here. Oh yeah, okay. To get it. (laughs) Oh, all right. (laughs) Okay, so okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and start. So, like we said, today's episode we are covering the infamous Cecil Hotel. For those of you that don't know, the Cecil Hotel is a very dark past and has been a significant place for paranormal investigators. Um, on this episode, we will cover the backstory, the Lisa Lamb story, and all the theories and backstories. And then next week, we will cover everything that people have encountered, paranormal activity over the years, what has happened to people on investigations, and what some psychics have experienced or seen while being around this hotel. Okay, so the backstory. So this hotel was built and opened in 1924 on Main Street in downtown Los Angeles. The original idea for the hotel was to be a place where successful businessmen and social elites could come and stay while visiting the town or the city. However, the Great Depression hit America and that clientele completely changed. With a flippant clientele, some of the guests who stayed here were considered violent. The hotel in the 1920s was built by William Banks Hanner, who back then spent over $1 million to build a hotel, which would be around 21 21.2 million today. So on this hotel, there is 14 floors and over 700 rooms. So a lot of places. Should I grasp that in like how like that's says. a lot. In 1924, I granted they they've upgraded at least a lot of things because I have the elevator and elevator looked like it was made in around the tw- uh, 1920s. But the ghost of ever so looked like it last was, I guess, rebuilt probably in the early 90s yeah the way it looked so um i built so right now it's operating as a low-income complex it's open and operating as that oh yeah yeah they already did so they started in 2017 and then obviously the pandemic caused some halts and then i forgot the actual year but it was like within the last couple years that they opened um and it's a low-income apartments which it kind of already was beforehand um so basically when the great depression hit um they couldn't charge like they they would because they're better hotels and stuff after the depression kind of came and so they were just kind of left so they rented the bottom floors so floors one through seven out to long-term residents and then anything over seven, the seventh floor was the ho- the short term stays. But there was weird stuff about the hotel. Like I don't I don't get why people were like, yeah, let's do this, um, because some of the rooms you had to share. You actually had roommates with strangers. It was more like a dorm setting. Like even uh, the short stay apart or apartments, the short stay rooms didn't have a bathroom. They had a communal bathroom on the floor, which I find that very odd. Like, I just, that's weird. I don't, I wouldn't stay there because that's weird. I don't know. Mm. To me, especially in a hotel, I I, I don't know why the staff, because it stayed like that for a long time. I don't know why the staff was like, no, like they single-handedly knew bad people kind of stayed there. Like, not even, not even like, because there was... 
like prostitutes that would stay there. There would be sex workers. There would be uh, criminals. There would be, you know, like people with addictions. There would be uh, people that just were going through a bad string of bad luck. So all those mixed in. And it's on Skid Row. And it's always been on near Skid Row, which anybody that doesn't know what Skid Row is, it's basically an area in downtown Los Angeles where the homeless population is over 10,000. And so it's right by there. So obviously in low income stuff, sometimes addiction is a thing. And so, um, and so in the actual hotel, there was a lot of suicides, a lot of deaths and stuff like that. So that's kind of what we're going to cover now. So, um, the first death reported occurred in on January 2nd, 1927, which this was the first couple years of it opening, which I don't know why. I guess it was the date Great Depression, but like the 1920s to 1930s, you're going to see there's a lot or 1940s. You see a lot of freaking suicides. Um, the first death was Percy Ormond Cook, who was 52 at the time and died of a suicide by gunshot to the head. Mm. According to the reports, he was a cook and in the evening shot himself in the head inside his hotel room when he couldn't reconcile with his wife and child. According to the Los Angeles Times, at the time he was rushed to the receiving hospital, but at the, but his chance of surviving was extremely minimal and he ended up dying that same evening so he was the first one the cook the cook uh four years later in november 19th on november 19th 1931 another suicide this time was by ingesting poison and this time it was 46 year old wk norton he was a manhattan beach resident and had been found in his hotel room after ingesting poison capsules um, an odd thing about him is that the week prior, he checked in under James Willies and claimed he was from Chicago. Another one. Mm. Three years later, uh, after that, in September of 1934, another suicide gunshot to the head. This time it was Benjamin Doditch. Doditch? Doditch. I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, age 25. A maid had discovered his body in his hotel room with a gunshot wound to the head. And he apparently did not leave a suicide note. No one's hearing his guns go off? Exactly. That is my point. Why all of these years? And another thing, actually, I'm going to wait to talk about this because it's it's an important part. But a lot of the things don't add up. And it's almost like the staff is letting it happen. Like they're letting it be a, you know, a letting it like in, in no like detectives or police departments or nobody knows like, Hey, something's not right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not to investigate. Like, I don't understand. Um, okay. So another three years later, another suicide, but this one much more gruesome. This was 53 year old Sergeant Lewis D Borden. He was a former army medical corps. He was in the, sorry, he was in the, he was an army medical Corbin. Corman, yeah, sorry. I don't know why I had an issue with that. Mm. He was found dead in his room with a slashed throat from a razor. He left several notes, including one that poor health was one reason for his suicide. Again, moving on, no more than eight months later, in March 1938, another death, Grace E. Margro, age 25, fell from the building. She apparently fell from a nine-story window. Her fall was broken by telephone wires. That wrapped around her entire body. The police were unable to determine whether she died from a suicide or from, or if it was an accident. It almost seems like the negativity of the building consumes uh, people. Well, it consumes them. But granted, if you're in a suicidal state already to begin with, you already have that level of depression and thoughts. But when going there, it almost amplifies it to a point where it makes you do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like something dark is there encouraging you yeah. and feeding off the suicides. <laughs> mm. Um, January 1939, less than a year. Roy Thompson, age 35, suicide, fell from building. No backstory or information is available other than that. Four months later, Erwin C. Neblet, age 39, death, ingested poison. He was a naval officer and was found in his room. January 
1940, Dorothy Seger, 45, suicide ingested poison. September 1944, Dorothy Jean Perso killed her newborn baby. She threw her newborn baby out of the window and was acquitted to murder charges for insanity. She was 19. Is there a... <laughs> with all these deaths, didn't the, the hotel earn a nickname? Huh? I said with all these deaths, didn't the hotel earn a nickname? Mm-mm, hotel deaths. Oh, yeah, yeah. November 1947, Robert Smith, 35, suicide, fell from building. October 22, 1954, Helen Gurney, suicide, fell from building. February 11, 1962, uh, I don't know, it didn't say the name, but suicide, fell from building. October 12, 1962, Pauline Oten, 27, fell from the building onto George Giannani, who was down, who was down, you know, walking, and killed him as well. So, yeah. I think they would uh, make the windows not available to open. This isn't even June fourth. <laughs> June fourth. Walk. Uh, walk. Oh no, no, no! Sorry, wrong one. December twentieth, nineteen seventy-five. Allison Lowell, approximately twenty-three, death fell from building. September first, nineteen ninety-two. Unknown name, approximately twenty to thirty years old, fell from building. Never been identified. February 19, 2013. So there was a gap. There was a gap. 1992 mm. from 2013. Elisa Lamb, 21, death, no cause. Or not no cause. They can't find the cause of her death. June 13, 2015. Unknown name, 28, death, fell from building. Um. So, yeah. And it wasn't until... So, I don't know. Nobody thought to check out like what the hell is going on at this hotel that all these people are dying like no officials no people they i guess they, they just thought skid rows right there it's just druggies and well they blamed it on the um the kind of people that go to this hotel are all poor depressed people hence why they can afford such a hotel to stay at for a period of time that acted as a communal place yeah so their their excuse mm-hmm. is that well you know, shitty people come here anyway. So why do we care? I think with the amount of deaths that have happened over the time, you think they would have like a the gurney on call, like, oh, I know it's uh, time any time now. You know, we're gonna have someone die. You know, yeah, never thought. Hey, uh, well, like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, apparently, I guess they. I don't know how true this is, because, um, but apparently they installed bars on the windows. Mm. I think recently. Um, there is a, I don't think that's true though, because, um, there is a guy, I forgot his name, but I'll probably talk about him in part two. Um, he lives across, he's a TikToker. He's like super famous. I forgot. He's got, I forgot his, he's like, I forgot what his name is, but, um, he specifically tries to film the Cecil hotel. Like he tried even getting in there when they first reopened it for the uh, low-income apartments but they like ushered him out they said he couldn't film in there um but he tries to fly his drones in there sometimes in the open windows and stuff like to get something and um he says there's constantly he said the he had footage where i think it wasn't even two weeks that the place was open low income and there was an ambulance right there so yeah it's just, it's such a dreary place. And like, it's got, it, there's, there's gotta be something pushing these people to the edge. Because you think even the people that like murdered, um, that, yeah, that murdered in, in the hotel, they, with the newborn baby and everything, they were acquitted on their murder charges by insanity. So obviously there's something going on there. And I still say there is a, this is just my opinion. This is not like actual fact, but I still say there's a lot more deaths and a lot more murders that took place, but were kind of like swept under the rug, even though like, how can you sweep any more under the rug? Because you have serial killers, two that we're going to talk about that stayed at this hotel temporarily, but stayed in the long-term apartment things on the below levels. And there was tons of people that 
probably didn't have a lot of family, would have been prime victims in the upper levels. You're telling me that in the communal bathrooms, nothing happened to them with the serial, two serial killers. One specific, one, well, I think the other one was brutal too. I don't know too much about the other one. But Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, he was so brutal with his murders. And a renowned Satanist. Yeah. So you're telling me he didn't, I mean, he didn't do anything while he was there? Nothing. He didn't go after anybody while he was there. I just, it's hard to believe. And that's what blows my mind about the communal bathrooms. You're telling me that nothing happened in the communal bathrooms where you're almost at a vulnerable state because you're trying to take a shower, whatever go into the bathroom, whatever. So you're in a vulnerable state where you're not expecting somebody to come after you. So, mm. Mm. Um, okay, so we're going to kind of move on to what kind of got the Cecil Hotel the attention, and that was the Elisa Lamb case story. Because that... Because it was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. Yeah. Like, I... It, Okay, we're going to go. Anyways, okay. Um, okay, so Elisa Lamb was a student at the University of British Columbia, except records state that she had not enrolled for two, the 2013 year, which is the year that she died. According to her blog, she had mentioned she felt a bit lost and she had a struggle with mental illness. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression, and she took several medications for her issues. And this is important because a lot of people want to blame that for um, a theory as to why she ended up how she ended up. Um, Her family, who were immigrants from Hong Kong, had kept Elisa's mental illness private and stated that even though she had mental illness, she was never suicidal or even had any attempts. Apparently, according to articles and reports, Elisa had difficulty in taking the medications and sometimes after not taking them would suffer from hallucinations. There was even a time where she hid under her bed for a period of time because she started hallucinating bad. It was at a point where Elisa decided to take a trip to California. This is where Elisa decided to check into the Cecil Hotel. Two days prior, she was taking series of photos on social media visiting places around the area. On January 26th, she arrived at the Cecil Hotel. She was in a shared room on the hotel's fifth floor, which is something the hotel offered. Apparently, the roommate at the time she was with complained about odd behavior to the hotel's main staff. After two days, the hotel moved Elisa to her own room. According to Amy Price, who was at the time the hotel manager, she would leave notes for the roommate that said, go home, go away. I wonder if they were for the roommates. Interesting. What? They say they say that she would leave these notes for the roommate that said, go home, go away. Mm-hmm. What if they weren't for the roommate? Maybe. Maybe it was an outward cry. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You get what I'm saying? You get the, okay. And she would lock the door to the room and require special passwords to enter. That's also if she's hallucinating, too. Maybe she didn't know what she was Anyways, um, I just find it weird that you had to share a room. Like, that would be the most... Could you imagine going to a hotel and having to share a room with a stranger? I said, I'm, I'm a night fighter. A night fighter? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, but, uh-huh. but that alone, like... That, that just... Uh, it's just a bad mix. It's just a bad mix. Because mm-hmm. you don't know who you're dealing with. Um, so funny enough, which I thought this was interesting that later that, or that same day that she got moved, she went to a live taping of Conan O'Brien. So that was funny. Not, mm. It's not funny because it's, it's not a funny situation. It's a but, weird situation. Yeah. Coincidence. But she was escorted out by security because of her behavior. Um, so what sparked the idea of her disappearance or, or she was missing was essentially her parents, which I have to give kudos to her parents because you often hear in missing persons cases that uh, like the family members or whatever wait a while because they're not scared to tell the police, but 
nervous to say anything because they don't know if the person is truly missing or not. But these parents basically jumped on the boat or jumped on the boat and basically said, hey, you know, my daughter's not texting me. She's been communicating with me us this whole entire trip, and now she's not. So her entire trip, like I said, she was messaging back and forth. Um, January 31st, 2013 was the day she was supposed to leave the hotel. Parents never heard from him, from her, so they immediately called the LAPD. Um, her family rushed to L.A. and flew to help search for her. The staff that saw Lisa that day recalled her to be mostly alone, and there was a manager of a bookstore um, by the hotel called The Last Bookstore who recalled seeing Elisa and said she was always very lively and friendly. In fact, she even went there to get gifts that day to take home to her parents. Uh, the police that day combed the hotel as best as they could since they were there were limitations on what exactly they could legally do in search. They went to Elisa's room and did a search and even had search dogs combing the building, but somehow the dogs were unable to detect her scent, even on the rooftop. That's another what the heck. Because he's, yeah. Um, Sergeant Rudy Lopez at the time of the case basically said they searched all day from what they could legally search without probable cause to even begin to search as though a crime had been committed. About a week later was when LAPD decided more had to be done and they needed to go more to, to go off of. So they continued to post flyers everywhere they could to get her image out and in hope that somebody saw something, knew something, something, and bring the case to the public's attention through the media. So basically they were putting on social media, they were posting it, you know, like going around L.A., giving it out, giving her image out, asking people, have you seen her, whatever. Um, another week had gone by and it's now February 13th and there's absolutely no sign of Lisa. They were able to get a short video surveillance from an elevator taken January 31st of her. It was about a two and a half minute video clip and it shows Elisa completely alone in the elevator, but you can totally see movements as though she's talking to someone and she steps out looking down the hall. Now, yeah. everyone knows the famous footage. I guarantee you've seen it through any yeah. kind of TikTok, YouTube, Vines. Way before this stuff is the the story of her is not so old at this point in time. But if you're into the paranormal whatsoever, you've heard of her story and you've seen the footage. And the footage just shows her acting erratic. Makes no sense. She looks, I, I won't say drunk, but the way she acts when she's looking at the the, the buttons where to push. And then the other factor is that the elevator never leaves the floor that she's on. She steps in. She steps out. She's in the elevator for a good period of time. Before she walks and looks like she's hiding from somebody and then looks like she's talking to somebody in the hall, mm -hmm. but you never see anybody. And then eventually the footage just goes from her going up to the roof and then it disappears after that. Yeah. Right? Now, what I found is interesting is that when Ghost Adventures were there, I don't know if they repaired the elevator or maybe they changed it from the time that she was there from the time that the Ghost Adventures went there. But the elevator kept closing within like 10 15 seconds of opening it kept closing and zach and the guys had to literally put their hand out to keep it from closing yeah and the footage with elisa the elevator never closed and mm. never tried the door never tried to close so someone had to be standing something or it had to get like a motion for it to like something had to be standing in front of the door yeah and i noticed that when i first watched that episode of them at the she's hotel i was like why does the elevator door keep closing? I remember the footage from Lisa Lamb thing is that it always stayed open. Like she would be in the elevator, standing inside the elevator and doing nonsense. And then the elevator door would never close. It would always stay open. Uh -huh. And then she would like step out, step in, step out, step in, step out, step in over and over again. Yeah. Well, the thing that like bothers me about that video is it doesn't even look like her. It does. It, like she is what she was like 1920 at the time. Mm -hmm. She literally looks like she's 30, 40 years old. It doesn't even look like her. And that's that, 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 yeah, the elevator video is now something else. Yeah. Where did they find her? Okay. Um, okay. So, okay. The even more disturbing thing about this case is what you said, where they found her. So, um, so the LAPD at this point is still trying to figure out what what the heck is going on. There's no trace of her. There's no probable cause to search anywhere else. There's no indications that a crime had even been committed. Um, 
but they were they were still kind of like combing the area trying to find out what was going on and hotel guests began expressing concern for the water in their rooms and in the hotel in general tasted weird smelled weird low water pressure yeah um they apparently said the water was black which mm, mm. Mm. and like you said tasted awful on february 19th a hotel maintenance worker which i found it weird the the cops weren't getting pulled that way or the dogs weren't getting pulled that way but a hotel worker was able oh, to he was check? he went up to check the water tanks Oh, yeah, that would make go, sense. Okay. People go, he went up to check the water tanks because that's where the source of the, where the water is. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. Okay. <laughs> um, But Santiago Lopez had found her body in one of the 4,000-gallon tanks that were located on top of the hotel that essentially gave water to the guest rooms, the kitchens, and the coffee shop. She was floating face up in the water. Um, and to even begin to get her body out of the tank was not easy. The tank had to be drained and basically cut open because the machine hatch, the not machine hatch, the maintenance hatch was too small to accommodate the equipment that they needed to take her out. Um, so her death was ruled accidental drowning with bipolar disorder as a factor. In the report from the coroners, it was said that her body was found naked, which is another creepy situation um her clothes that looked similar to the elevator video was found next to her as well as the room key and watch no evidence of physical trauma sexual assault or suicide toxicology reports stated traces of prescription medicine that coincided with what she had on her and non-prescription drugs like sunutab and ibuprofen a small amount a small quantity of alcohol uh, was present but no recreational drugs and based on what she was required to take with her medications, doctors and experts had stated that she may have stopped or reduced taking her medicines prescribed. Now, with all that being said, mm-hmm. her erratic or disbehavior and stuff like that and how she ended up in the tank have no, make no sense. Yeah. Doesn't. And people theorize like that, oh, she was on the right side of mind. Why... In her history of mental illness, stuff like that, that she ever, you know, take a suicide. And why the water tank? Yeah. She could jump off the building like everyone else did. Why just get naked, jump into the water tank that someone could barely fit in to die? Yeah. To allow yourself to drown? That doesn't make any sense. It also doesn't make a lot of sense that she was talking to somebody during that time. Bipolar people, they slip, slip between personalities of happy and sad, mm-hmm. not schizophrenia. Yeah. I've known bipolar people. They can go from uh, moods, stuff like that. They don't start talking to random people that aren't there. Yeah. Um, which leads me to, to the strong theory that most people believe that she was mildly possessed. Oh. And if no. you know the cases, the demonic cases that happened there, um, that's not too far-fetched. Yeah. Especially with Richard Rodriguez and what he did. Richard Rodriguez? No. Now you got me. Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez. On what he did while he was there. Yeah. Um, supposedly, they, uh, after his time there, uh, one of the staff members found a pentagram painted, or inverted pentagram, painted yeah. on one of the water towers. Not the one that they found her in, but one of them altogether. Well, one of the things um, that the... In the in the show for Netflix, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, I think is what it's Their called. Their documentary. Yeah. yeah. They talk about the serial killers and they talk and they actually interviewed a former long term resident person. And he said basically in the eighties it was so bad he wouldn't he there'd be no way he would go above the sixth floor. Because he said the seventh floor and above is where they killed people. He said like they would just drag you in a room and kill you. Throw you out the building. And he will and it said that the the you know the people that were listed that are actually listed reported aren't all the people that got pushed out of the building and mm-hmm. stuff like that and i believe that and i know one historian and some and had mentioned that um basically richard ramirez would go behind the alleyway take off his bloody clothes from his murdered victims like that he would 
he'd wear when he would murder, and then walk up the steps in his blood-stained underwear and go to his room like nothing ever happened. Like, yeah. Um, he had paintings. Paintings? Richard, Richard Mary's painted. Oh, really? I granted, they're disturbing to look at. But um, not disturbing as most sane people. There's a German artist who painted stuff that's way out there. Yeah. But um, no, his stuff is that. I remember um, uh, Zach got his hands on one and brought it back to the hotel to his room. Right? Why? Oh, God. Because you know what they do. I know. They play with fire. I know. <laughs> um, But no, um, it was funny enough is that I guess uh, that attracted... Richard Ramirez to the room. Now, one of the other things that lead me to believe with possible demonic possession with the Lisa Lamb case is that there was a psychic that they brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, who she, she's she's known. She, I, guess, I think it was her. Right. I want to say it was her. Um, she was saying that there's there's a demon there. She at least says it's a demon. Um, that was like she says it's very like creepy with a big grin that was kind of like he 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 and he was hiding around the corners and he was she he was uh he was telling her that um it keeps them all here it keeps them all here like it's like well, most places and cases we've done with like there is something evil keeping a lot of human spirits there entrapped in prison to feed off their energy yeah um but she says she kept getting like a swirling motion, like it's like dizzying. That she that this thing is confusing everyone, keeping them there. Hmm, that would make sense. That would actually make a lot of sense because, uh, and two, the way that it's, I still just get weirded out by the shape of the building. Now I don't it freaks think me out. Now I don't think Richard Ramirez, uh, brought that thing there. I think it's always been there or somehow was there before. Yeah, because I feel like... I think he agitated it or at least... Gave it something. Yeah. Like, just like, hey. Because Richard Ramirez is known for being a renowned Satan worshiper. He had a pentagram carved into his forehead. Yeah. Um, And always... And not all pentagrams are bad, but like... His inverted inver- one. <laughs> inverted one. Just and like any... Especially with the meaning behind what he did it for. Like, all his killings, it was for Satan and blah, 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 yeah. this. And his... his Yeah, his whole prerogative. That's what... Well... I thought this was kind of crappy. Um, I don't know if they ever, I don't think this guy had any evidence, but they tried tying uh, this one guy to the Lisa Lamb murders, and he was like a full-blown metalhead. He was, kind of looks like you, which is kind of funny. Hmm. There's He literally has a haircut you used to have, which is kind of funny. My uh, Dave Navarro hair? Yeah. 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 But um, they were accusing him. I think he got like, he was innocent or whatever, but they kept accusing. He's, he, I think he's from Mexico and like he went back home to Mexico and he wasn't even in the area when she disappeared. But, um, yeah. And, and just the thing too, with like people or people that sacrifice and people that are in to the dark satanic and dark, witch stuff where, which, does incorporate sacrificing people and doing the worst of the worst on the bad end of the spectrum don't look like you know people are quick to point fingers to the metalhead and say hey i mean in richard ramirez he was kind of like a metalhead guy so mm. that yeah eh, kind you of you wouldn't think that by looking at him yeah but not all metalheads are into that and i think that is a huge misconception because should i just give my theory should I just give my theory? Uh, I would say I'd say see what you did. Okay. Um, you keep wanting to, but yeah, because um, but what was the other serial killer? So there was a serial killer. Apparently, he was Austrian, and um, let me see his name. Hope it didn't sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, his name was I don't even know Jack Unterweger. Unterweger. Yeah. Uh, he was an Austrian serial killer and committed crimes in Austria, West Germany, Czechoslovakia, and the United States. And he also stayed at the Cecil. Um, and yeah, apparently the Black Dahlia killer also had their last drink, apparently, at the Cecil Hotel. Mm-hmm. Which I thought 
I mean, look at all the negative. Like, I... It's just, it's so... There has to be something demonic there. Like, there is no way... Whether someone's actually, like, feeding it, which I hate that. That creeps me out. Feeding a demon thing, but... Feeding him on a desk has happened all the entire time. That place was almost a feeding ground for depression. And places we've been to before with, with spirits that have died of depression or illness or just suicide, essentially, they're always giving off that negative emotion. And what we've learned in our small cases with demonic possession and oppression is that negative cases, negative emotion attract mm-hmm. and is what powers them. Yeah. So something like that, a place, a building like that is prime feeding ground for a demonic spirit or more than just one. That is like a, yeah, a buffet, essentially, yeah. for a negative energy for them to feed off continuously forever. So yeah. that's why I, I – my my theory, but that's why it's a good assumption to believe why that place is so heavy with death mm-hmm. and why anyone that goes there with suicidal thoughts tends to go through with it yeah. every single time. But there's something – there's something I swear with the elevators. There's – there's something with the elevators. I don't know. Well, and I, see, I don't know why, but I feel like elevators are an easy thing for spirits to manipulate because I know I've been in an elevator and had it manipulate from an entity before. So, if there is something, I don't know, maybe the idea of an elevator, I don't know. Well, there goes that whole theory about the honeycomb was with the bees. Yeah. About being spiritual, or not spiritual, but uh, ghost. I don't say ghost or uh, haunting places where bees are. I don't say that's where that necessarily had goes, but with the, the honeycomb effect, I forgot some Russian scientists. Um, our good friend. Uh, oh my God, why can't I think of his name? I can't think of it right now either. Chaz, there you go. Chaz, yeah. Chaz of the dead. Uh, he was the one that told me about him in the begin with, uh, to begin with, uh, about the whole theorization of um, boxes and any places that have many sections, like cute section rooms are very heavily haunted for those reasons. And you look at every place that's sectioned, roomed, mm-hmm. hotels, mm-hmm. Uh, prisons, uh, sane asylums, orders, all places like that have many rooms and almost sectioned out, creating that honeycomb effect mm-hmm. like bees would do. And that it's some correlation with spiritualness and that happening almost like, not in prison, but a good place for them to be. Yeah. Plus, I feel like, in those situations, like the honeycomb syndrome thing, syndrome, I don't know why I said syndrome, but the honeycomb effect is that a spirit can, or not even a spirit, a, a dark entity could, look how many people they have to feed off of. Mm-hmm. Look how much energy they can take from somebody. Well, if place with pieces of people are living, yeah, I can see like that. Hotels especially that are still active and being used are now apartments, hotel in the Cecil apartments no longer a hotel anymore yeah um that that tends to be fresh feeding especially for low-income people yeah. who are dealing with depression or dealing with the fact that they were, can't afford this and can't afford that and i like they're basically working themselves to death and essentially with like dealing with not having enough money and that whole mindset and that level of depression oh my god you just basically allow whatever is there fresh meat to feed off of yeah. and negative energy it's probably, probably strengthening that thing up. So I wouldn't be surprised if you hear in the next year or so, uh, Cecil Apartments having more deaths. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, there was a clip to that same guy. I got to figure out his name and I'll link it. And he's huge. And I can't think, like, it's filming the Cecil Hotel and doing the stuff with the Cecil Hotel is kind of like outside of what he normally does. So um, you wouldn't know him from like spooky stuff. But um, I remember he the same kind of like week that he showed the ambulance. There were these two people and they were sitting out on the balcony and they were dangling their legs. And he goes, hey, is everything OK? I think maybe the ambulance was there. It was the same video. And he goes, hey, is is everything OK over there? You know, he yells it across because he's in the apartments across. And he's almost like lateral to them. Um, and they go like, shut the fuck, shut the fuck up. Don't fucking look at us. Da, da, da. And it's like, okay. He just asked if everything was okay. Yeah. You know? So it shows you like the energy is just, and you know, you think these small places that 
don't have a lot of like that don't even have like death and stuff like that but just have like negative people in them you know is intense could you imagine like that place well uh that's um I was theorize the ant because we still have uh, encounter stories to go through, right? No, that's the next. That's the next episode. I know. Yeah, we're almost at an hour. Oh dang! Really? Yeah. So I said we have encounter stories next to do, which we'll probably do in part two. Yeah. As I said, we might save our theories for the end of part two. Yeah. Which can I give a glimpse though? I just want to give a glimpse. You can give yours. Okay, I'll give mine. Because I have my own. I think, I think that there's somebody in, I don't think that this dark entity was always there, right? Mm. I think maybe something happened that kind of like started bringing negative things there, but somebody that worked in the hotel a long ass time open the door for something dark to come in. And I think that there is I feel like there's maybe something satanic going on that is more there's more to the actual people. Not not the not the the staff. They might know stuff. But like the higher ups, the owners, the owners. I but the question is for why though? Why? Why? A lot of times in that kind of situations, you they get something in return, and you think about it. All of have they ever been sued for the deaths? I'm pretty sure they at least someone's tried to. The Lamb family tried to sue them for for neglect. They didn't win anything. Yeah, because they claimed that they. I guarantee the Cecil Hotel said, "Hey, she was insane. She clearly showed in, in you know mis, uh, mental disturbance with her behaviors." Uh, blah, and you can't claim demonic possession in a in a court anymore. Yeah, I mean, granted that the, the Warrens tried to, but it kind of yeah. just it didn't work because you can't prove ideas of paranormal involving cases like that. Yeah, so. No point in trying to bring that up, right? Even though it's, from what I saw, a clear representation. But, um, so they said, oh, she was insane. She did this and she killed herself. That's typical mental illness claims to suicide. Well, why is it you blaming us? You know, it could happen at any hotel. Blah, 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 blah. You know, I hear all the lawyer talk to how to get their way out of it. So, I mean, and every suicide death has been a suicide. Yeah. Or murdered by someone else. No one, you said, publicly was murdered there. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Everyone that's orally reported has been by suicide or they killed someone and they were acquitted for insanity. Mm-hmm. So that's how they're able to get away with it. And if it does ever happen there, like someone does kill somebody that they could get blamed on, you guarantee to have someone to cover it up. The thing is, the Cecil Hotel is so low income. Who's got the money to pay someone off to do something? Sorry, excuse me, to do such things. Mm-hmm. But here's another thing. As lavish as a Cecil Hotel is, right? Mm. Why, hasn't it, why hasn't it shut down? Why isn't it shut down? It did for a little bit. No, no, no. Like, go bankrupt and shut down. Because you think it's such a lavish hotel. So many freaking rooms. So many rooms. So many elaborate things. Granted, they don't have, like, a pool or any kind of, like, amenities like that. But, and they charge so little. I think Richard Ramirez, I think it was like 14 bucks a day he was paying. That's why. That's why they stay open. You got to remember, a lot of places like that, they probably, they're not, not paying for bathrooms and plumbing from inside the room. They're paying for one source where it comes from. So not everyone's running their water at the same time and stuff like that. So you're not paying for a lot of individual faucets and stuff like that. So you save money in the water bill. I granted the TVs in the room are probably freaking old, if there is any in there. Mm-hmm. Right? Um if you allow them to stay more than one day, you hire your hired staff to change linens, not every day, but maybe every other day, right? Yeah. Maybe even once a week, who the hell knows how they do things there. And the fact that you have so many low-income people, you're making your money by charging less and having more people. Yeah. 
And they shut down to rebuild to create, since they had people stay there for so long anyway, let's might as well make it apartments. Yeah. So that's what they did. And now they can charge people who don't make a lot of money, not a lot, to stay in apartments like this and continue to feed what's already there. That's what I'm saying. There has to be someone along the line that opened the door to everything. Like... And the owner or owners of the Cesar Hotel, they don't want to believe that there is something paranormal evilly there, even though they have over, I don't know how many cases of people claiming a paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. So much so the Ghost Adventures was invited there. Now, I don't know how Ghost Adventures got invited there, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't know how much Zach paid to go there. Granted, he's probably got a lot of money to pay them up front and stuff like that to, you know, investigate Mm -hmm. but the season hotel doesn't want to be known as being a haunted location it doesn't that's why it doesn't allow a lot of people to investigate it to begin with but see that to me that's when like if it's just a little bit of activity and you say like my my stuff isn't haunted there's always something like i don't know like i feel like people that try and desperately try and um like say that their place is not haunted it's not haunted you know and there's actual like people saying their experiences i don't know maybe they think that the cecil hotel i don't know i don't know but i feel like when they try like die hardingly i don't even know if that's a word <laughs> die hardingly you're making it worse huh? <laughs> <laughs> um not to you know not to investigate, not to look into it. That's what makes me think that somebody has something there or opens the gates or actively keeps something there because they don't want investigators. Uh, ironic. <laughs> so, ambulance. No, no, no. Yeah. No, the cop car is moving too fast. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but I feel like even if we were to get popularly known for what we do, mm-hmm. about clearing places, places out, like mm-hmm. taking everything away, and we offer our services to them, saying we can take the whole hotel for you, take it everything out, so you don't have to worry about anything like this ever again. Yeah. I feel like they would tell us no. Yeah. Even though they said, "Well, what do you got to lose? You know, yeah. either we do what we do and we get rid of everything, and there's nothing ever there, or you prove us wrong by saying there's nothing in there, and we find out there's nothing there, and they have nowhere to worry about." Yeah. They don't want to but lose what's there. That's exactly that. I'm sorry. Is when somebody has a deal with something, or is i don't know i'm sorry i just something in the upper chain i don't know it's not right and i have a well i I theorize and we've talked about this with our paranormal team how we would go about clearing it um which i'll probably say for part two yeah a lot of people are like, ah, tell us now yeah, no, cause you no, yeah because no we have a lot on part two about we asked other investors well i did ask other investigators how they would do where they would focus first and where they would go because we did some polls on our Instagram stories and stuff. and also encounter stories that yeah. you found. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, which is on all part two because we're now pushing close to an hour and we barely got into the encounter stories and other things that we could discuss. So that's why we said we had to split in two because it's going to be like a very long episode. So um, look forward to part two uh, coming next week. Yes. Yes. Um, no hunted updates. No, not. No, I don't want to say that we dealt with. No, we normally don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had like a little influx of activity, like literally the last couple of days. I don't know what's going on. So we've got to figure that out. Which I always thought like <laughs> uh, if we had a Patreon, I think I would do that. Like haunted up weekly update, something yeah. on Patreon. If we ever started one. That's another thing too. I always thought if we had a Patreon, people even want like what stuff would we would offer. I don't know. We always... Um, but yeah, uh, as always, guys, uh, you can catch our social media at Hitting the Shadows Podcast on Instagram, Hitting the Shaw Six on Twitter, Hitting the tick, uh, Hitting the Hitting the TikTok, Hitting the Hitting the TikTok, Hitting the Podcast Two on TikTok, or links to all our social media and all ways to listen to us uh, at uh, HiddenShadowsPodcast.com. dot com. links to our merch store where you can buy some stuff. Yeah, so look forward to part two next week. Yeah, see the hotel. Yep, and we'll catch your weirdos in the next one. Yes. No.
Christmas. 